Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Welcome once again to A Little Off Topic, one agency's water cooler chat on digital marketing, business, and all the things that get in the way, presented by Speak Creative. So we are definitely living up to our name this week as we step quite a bit outside our usual realm and a little off topic from digital marketing and website design development uh, to talk about imposter syndrome. For those not familiar with imposter syndrome, uh, it's essentially that uh, that feeling of inadequacy or self-doubt uh, makes you feel like your accomplishments aren't valid. It makes you feel like you're not in the right place, uh, that others around you are superior. Uh, if you've ever thought that you were faking it until you make it, uh, that's how I've always defined it, uh, this episode is most likely going to be for you. My name is David Caffey. I'm Digital Marketing Manager at Speak, as well as your host slash moderator for today's discussion. Uh, joining me once again are the VPs at Speak. Matt Roberts is our VP of Marketing and Sales. Kendra Svensson is VP of Client Partnerships. And last but not least, the second of our two Matts today, Matt Irvin is VP of Creative Services. So we'll spend some time today talking about what imposter syndrome has meant for us, uh, how we've seen it rear its ugly head in our professional lives and in the agency world. Uh, we may have even discovered a cure over the course of our chat, so stay tuned for that. Uh, and finally, I touch on it briefly at the beginning, but we'll close out today talking about personality types and the great debate of extrovert versus introvert. Uh, so stay tuned for the second half. We'll do a deep dive on that. Um, so let's get right to it. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to our show today, and I hope you enjoy this edition of A Little Off Topic. All right, we're getting introspective today. We're talking about introverts, extroverts, everything in between and the side effects. Um, Kendra, back with us again. Kendra, are you an extrovert or an introvert? Extrovert. All right, well, I'm going to hold you to that. We're going to come to that later. Uh, Matt Roberts. I think I know the answer to this one already, but extrovert or introvert? Introvert. Intro I, well, then I was surprised. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Again, we'll come back to that later. Um, and then Matt Irvin, introvert or extrovert? Uh, definitely an introvert. Definitely. Introvert. And I am, yeah. of course, David Caffey, your host again. I just talked to you in the intro, but I'm going to say it again. I'm an introvert as well. Um, but we're going to start with uh, maybe a side effect of the kind of introvert extrovert thing, uh, imposter syndrome. Uh, the good folks, uh, our partners at Wikipedia define imposter syndrome. It's a psychological pattern in which one doubts one's accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud or uh, you call it fake it till you make it. It's what I like to call it. Um, I think this is a universal thing that we all face. I am a very severe sufferer of this. Um, I feel like, as you can tell by my talking voice, that it's my one talent is talking myself into, into situations. And that's how I am. The only reason I'm here. So um, <laughs> anyway, how do you guys define imposter syndrome? Um, and how is it? Uh, you, do you, are you a sufferer of it? How, what's your experience been? Uh, well, as the resident extrovert, I guess I'll start because, well, that's just what I do. Um, I define it as feeling like a fraud or feeling like you're about to be exposed. Um, there's a lot of moments early on in my career where I have thought um, they're going to find out I don't know what I'm doing or they're going to find out that I'm not as good as they thought I was um, or I'm going to let them down. I think it can show that way too. It doesn't always have to feel fraudulent, but you just feel like you're not going to meet expectations. You're, you're missing the mark. Um, and it's 
paralyzing a little bit. I think that there's definitely been moments where, you know, you let that fear creep in and then you can't get it out of your head, but it's um, definitely a great topic. I'm glad we're talking about it today because I've never once shared the idea of imposter syndrome with someone without them saying, wow, I know exactly that feeling. So I think it's pretty universal to feel it in some way or another. Yeah, I, I, I agree a hundred percent with that. I found a, a definition online somewhere uh, that I just pulled back up a minute ago that I, I thought was uh, helpful. It added to the idea. It says, uh, imposter syndrome is the feeling that you haven't earned your success. You simply got lucky and you're a fraud or imposter around people who actually earned it and know what they're doing. And it's that last bit, the kind of around people who actually earned it and know what they're doing that I feel like is uh, as uh, as paralyzing as anything else because it's it's um, you're among peers who uh, you psychologically uh, just assume are are judging your performance and thinking how did this joker <laughs> uh, get here and uh, the the truth is or at least the truth that I've chosen to believe about imposter syndrome is that because we all struggle with it, we're all thinking the exact same thing and we can use that to, to affirm uh, our teammates and affirm uh, just uh, the, the people in our lives to, to say, Hey, this thing that you do, uh, even though you've probably never vocalized that you're super self-conscious about the fact that you, uh, don't believe that you're very good at it. Uh, actually see, see it and see value in it and, and affirm you, uh, in, in that skill set. Uh, as soon as I started reading it, I'm, you know, realized this is something that, that certainly I struggle with. Um, I think hearing the term the first time, the first time I heard the term, it was like, Oh, this is a normal feeling. Wow. Um, because you just feel alone. Yeah. Do you, so I, I don't, this is going to sound weird um, or like it's kind of a, a humble brag, I guess. Matt doesn't I don't, struggle with it. <laughs> no, I don't actually, I don't struggle with imposter syndrome. Um, and I, I don't know if it's because I'm the old guy in the room and have, you know, been around a little bit longer and been dealing with things longer. But um, I think there's, there's two things that help to get me past that. One of them is, um, being okay with saying, yeah, I don't know. And it's a pride issue, right? In some cases, if you're supposed to be the expert, um, you can say, yeah, I don't know. And, and, and it, you know, feel, you feel like you're letting people down. I, just kind of an example. Um, when I talk to clients, I have, you know, a few clients that I'm really the only person that I talk to uh, that talks to them. And if they ask me questions about SEO, uh, I go, yeah, I have no idea but I got a guy who's awesome at it and let me talk to him. That's a, our, our fearless host, David Caffey. And let me talk to him and then get back to you. And if you have, um, if you've learned how to manage your ego a little bit, um, which is harder for some people than others, then you're okay saying that. And it's, I don't know, you're, you're okay with it. I don't feel like I'm a fraud because I don't understand digital marketing, SEO and software development. Um, I understand software development pretty well. Well, so that's yeah. interesting to me because like, I don't mind saying I don't know when it's out of my wheelhouse, but if it's something that I have to do, like take career out of it, being a parent, if it's, you know, having a hard conversation with the kid, like 
how many times have I looked at my husband and been like, why are we allowed to do this? Like, who gave us this kid? Because I just don't feel equipped. I don't think it's necessarily just in career, but I think it's where your expertise is supposed to lie. But you're yeah, setting I, that expectation, right? You're saying I'm expected to be an expert parent and I'm not an expert parent. I've been a parent for 11 years and have never been very good at it in my opinion. Um, so if you feel like you're supposed to be an expert in it and then fake it till you make it, I think that's, that generates the imposter syndrome. It's the, for me anyway, it's the willingness to say, I'm not an expert at this, even though maybe even if it's something that I should be able to do, um, you know, based on my uh, title or position or role as a parent or, or whatever, um, if, if you're okay saying, I don't know, then that's one way to, one way to help combat one of the sources of imposter syndrome. So, um, one point you kind of made earlier. Um, so you said that kind of with, you said you're the old guy in the room, but I took that as with wisdom and experience, this gets better. Do you feel that <laughs> when you were earlier in your career, cause I know early in my career, I mean, I'm still early in my career, um, that it, it, did it feel more, did you feel it then? Like, do you feel like you can kind of recognize it and got better at it? Or do you feel like kind of from day one, you were prepared to take it on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say that it is definitely learned. Uh, I learned how to deal with that, learning how to deal with that. And early on, it, I can even say early on at speak, um, when we would get as like a 25-year-old a or 26-year-old, I guess I was 27 when I started, uh, we'd get into a situation with an IT department and I'd be looking at, you know, 40, 45, 50-year-old dudes who either knew their stuff or knew a lot of vocabulary I didn't know. And um, they're looking at me saying, well, you're Mr. Website guy, you know, you ought to be able to handle this. And um, after I got over the fear of saying, I don't understand what you're saying, um, it became a little more natural for me to be able to do that. Um, but like in those cases, being totally intimidated by somebody you know has d a decade more knowledge than you do. Um, it, I don't know. I, I still never really felt like an imposter. I felt like I had a lot to learn. Um, and so my approach to dealing with those situations was to always, okay, as soon as I get out of this meeting, I've written down all these words I didn't know. I'm going to go look them up and figure out what they mean so that, uh, so that I understand what's going on. Um, and that, I don't know, that adds to, adds to my confidence, you know, once I, under, once I got there. So I, I do think that, that taking a positive response to it of saying, uh, you know, hey, this is, this is an opportunity for me to learn. This is an opportunity for me to grow. Um, and not just maybe in, uh, in skill set, but in emotional capacity or in, uh, or in understanding of, you know, human condition uh, or, or whatever. Um, I think that's, uh, those are, those are wise words. I am kind of speechless. Um, just hearing y'all say that because my gosh, that is the dream. That is the goal to walk in to a meeting and be like, yeah, Mr. Executive, I don't know how to do that, but you know what? I'll figure it out and be able to say that. I, surely I think it. And I will tell you that uh, just another lesson uh, learned from being old is that I would much rather look at somebody and say, I don't know how to do that or I don't know what you're talking about than back myself into a corner where I get busted or make a promise I can't keep. And so for me, it's a, it's a, you know, punishment reward situation where the punishment 
or the negative aspect of saying, I don't know, is much, much less stress on me than the other two options of, of getting busted, being a fraud, or um, making a promise I can't deliver on. Can I flip the script on you? So not dealing with imposter syndrome, but say you're sitting across from someone junior to you. Um, can you talk about maybe your experience with their imposter syndrome? So like if they say, I don't know, how does that, how do you feel about that? Is that okay? How do you react? And maybe that's, maybe that's the perspective we need to hear as sufferers of imposter syndrome is like the, <laughs> the truth. This is like the a therapy side. session. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's all in your attitude and how you say it. Right. And, and the reason you're saying it, if you're going, I don't know, just do it for me. That's not great. Um, that's, you know, nobody, that's not, you're not part of the team at that point. Um, if you're saying, yeah, I don't understand this, show it to me, then it's very like, to me, that's great because you've said, um, you know, we're in a, we're in a place where we are dealing honestly with what we do and don't know. And we're going to work on getting past, um, that hurdle. So, uh, I think that's, that's part of it. Um, look like talking about a sales situation or either, either, either place, like if I'm selling or being sold to, um, the idea that, uh, somebody would tell me if I'm, if I'm talking with a salesperson and they say, I don't understand what you're saying or what you're asking, what are, how do they present themselves in the whole picture? Like, are they saying, I don't know what you're asking about, but we're going to work together and figure it out. Or are they just saying, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, is it, is it, there's a big difference to we're going to work through this, you know, together or help me get through this versus just do it or I don't know. So I'm not even going to bother with that. So a little bit of humility maybe. Yeah. yeah. That's a long way. Yeah. I think, and I think the, the other part of, of helping others deal with imposter syndrome is, is um, I think that there's a tendency for, uh, for, I don't know, to feel uh, like an okay thing to say and then say, Oh man, they helped me through that. I still don't feel like I personally don't still feel like I'm equipped. So the next time this situation comes up, I'm going to go and do the exact same thing and ask for the exact same help. And there's kind of a tension on uh, us as leaders to, to affirm that uh, the, that person has the capacity and the ability to go and the autonomy to go and, and perform that action without our, you know, without our intervention um, in a growing capacity, you know, it's, it's not an on off thing, but the, the, you know, it's easy to create dependency. Um, if all we're doing is, is saying, Hey, yes, let, you know, okay. You say you don't know, let me help you. Uh, let me help you understand. Yeah. I love that. The, the, we believe you have the capacity. Um, I, that's kind of, where I've coached it, you know, I think you can simultaneously suffer from it and also coach others through it, which I found myself doing. And that's kind of the, the angle I take is that we know you really are the expert. We hired you because we believe you're the expert. That means you have the capacity to be the expert, if, even if you're not right now. We hired you for what you're capable of. Uh, so I think that that has been helpful to hear and that's something that I've passed on to others as well. 
I do think about this often. I've never really thought about it in light of imposter syndrome, but maybe it starts where like when we're little, we look at our teachers and celebrities or whoever it is we look up to sports stars. And we think that like, they've got it all together. Like I never once thought about my teacher's personal life, you know, growing up. And then now that I'm a mom and I am like friends with their teachers, I see, oh, wow, they're human. Um, but maybe that's where it kind of starts is we forget that people are just humans. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has insecurities about lots and lots of different things. I think that's, uh, it's, it's easy for us to internalize all of our own insecurities and, and not really look at the rest of the world and say, man, what are, you know, <laughs> what is everybody else struggling with? Cause you know, we're not in their heads. Um, so we just kind of assume that the, the, the byproduct of their lives, the, the things that we're able to observe is all there is to it. And so we, you know, those, those insecurities don't necessarily come out, um, you know, in a work environment or in, you know, some of these other places. So yeah, that's a good point. The one kind of big side effect that I feel from it is that when a failure happens or you, or a letdown happens, it's really hard to bounce back when your foundational thinking is like, well, I was already a screw up. I was a mess up person to begin with. So, you know, when a, when a client loss happens, you know, where in the SEO world rankings drop, um, it just kind of reinforces it. So that's kind of the problem that I feel like the solution that I'm looking for, for is, I guess, and I guess over time as more of those happen, it gets a little easier to deal with. But in, in my world, that's, that's where it hits me the hardest. I just was going to say, I, I think something that, that you're hitting on that, that I think um, is useful to maybe just call out specifically and name it is the idea that you know, with imposter syndrome, there's, there's kind of this idea that, um, you're, you're kind of balancing on the edge of a knife. And, and if you mess up, like it, it feels like it feels high stakes all the time, um, because you, you lack the ability to, to take a step back and, and have perspective on what's brought you to your, your current point and all the great work that you've done. And so of course, you know, if you screw up, the stakes are not that that big a deal. It's, it's okay to just say, Oh, well, chuck that one in the, in the loss column and let's keep moving. Um, and so I think, I think that's something that that's worth highlighting is, is just as we, as we talk through it, you know, to the extent that you, you can take a step back and say, okay, what, you know, I, I, I am better at this than I think I am. Um, you know, this, this one insecurity or one failure isn't representative of, of everything that I've, it's not comprehensive of, of everything that I've done. Um, you know, just, just being able to have that perspective and realize like, uh, you know, this is, this is a moment in time thing, not a, not a consistent pattern. I don't know. I feel like I'm wandering off the path of the point, but well, uh, it, hopefully, it, hopefully that makes some sense. As you've been talking, it also dawned on me that, um, that David and you Roberts and Kendra all, do a different type of work than I do or fight a different type of battle. Um, so just SEO is the easiest one to, to talk about. I think sales and marketing both fall right in line, but David is constantly fighting against other professionals in his space, right? So he wants to get our clients to rank well for certain keywords. Those clients have competitors who are using our competitors who want to do the same thing. And so like you guys are, and then with sales, you know, Matt's going out and talking with people and, um, our competitors are doing the same and it's a win-lose, right? We win it or we lose it. And with David, it's our rankings go up or they go down. Digital marketing, you know, do we convert well or not? 
And so <clears throat> when you've got somebody that's actively trying to stop you from doing things, um, it is a little bit different because your failures are, um, I think you probably have a lot more of them. They're smaller in scale, um, but you have a lot more of them than somebody like me. My failures are, um, I didn't stop something that I saw coming when I should have, or I, you know, didn't pay attention to something long enough or quick enough, or um, somebody on my team really botched something. Uh, that's very different than um, than having a competitor beat you at something, even if it's mm -hmm. you know momentary and small. Well, I think as leaders, then there's two things that we need to do. One is leave space for growth, which also means there's space to accept failure, right? Like if you're allowing your employees to grow, then you have to know that sometimes they might not get it right. Uh, but number two is training them and or hopefully you're hiring them because they're already like this, uh, to be employees who come to you with solutions and not just problems. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if someone comes with a failure as a leader, you should be asking them what the solution is, not telling them how to fix it. Um, yeah. So that they are self-teaching, learning, and growing. Um, I think that that's how we train out imposter syndrome. Yeah, this is yeah. Uh, it's something I tell my kids all the time is there's no better teacher than failure. Um, there's no better way to learn something than to fall flat on your face. And the other thing I tell them all the time, it's not that you have problems because everybody does. It's how you deal with them that makes the biggest difference. Yeah. Yeah, I would add, I think those are, that's, super wise words. I wish I said those types of things to my kids. Um, you can, they don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> That's true. Suddenly dad started being way more supportive. <laughs> um, but I think there's a, a third point uh, to, to what you said, Kendra. And that is that um, I think uh, we need to recognize that, that people aren't going to tell us what they're struggling with. I think, you know, we invite it all the time. We say, hey, please let us know if there's something that you're struggling with that we can help you with, you know, that there are just some things that are that are just personal. Um, and and frankly, you know, we're not secure enough even to, to sometimes admit them to ourselves um, that we would certainly not feel comfortable admitting them to, to somebody else that we work with. Um, and so I think, you know, a third point that I would add is just to understand that, that this is a thing that, um, maybe not everybody struggles with, but certainly uh, a lot of people struggle with. And so to just do the active work of, of, of maybe combating it proactively of, of, you know, affirming skill sets, like we said, um, and, and coming in and, and trying to build belief, um, into, uh, into the folks that, that, uh, we work with and that we get to lead. Agree. So my, my uh, last question I have for you guys on my list here is, is there a cure? And it sounds like, there is, but it's, there's a lot of factors in it and a lot of things that take a lot of time. Yeah. You got to get old and you got to fail a lot. The more failure and the more old. See, both of those describe me perfectly well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, originally we were going to talk about introvert versus extrovert, but we've kind of really stuck on the imposter syndrome thing. Do you guys think that um, imposter syndrome drives you to be an introvert? Yes. Yes. No. As an extrovert, when I'm feeling imposter syndrome, that is when I'm shutting down, which is why I thought they related so well. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, introversion and extroversion are, are personality traits. They're not, they're not circumstantial. Like, I, I, I'm not 
an extrovert part of the time and an introvert other parts of the time. That's me. I mean, I consider myself technically an ambivert, but I think that it is. That's a real term. Multivert. Omnivert. Polyvert. Um, No, I think that it is certainly a personality trait, but I, spoiler alert, one of my big points on being extroverted is that that doesn't mean I'm on all the time and excited all the time and happy all the time. Like, For sure, yeah. It does not. It's not a prescriptive label, no. I don't think. And I think no. that it can be driven by how you're feeling with career and imposter syndrome and life and all of that. Yeah, the introvert-extrovert thing, uh, I don't know. It's interesting to me. Um, my Any training that I have in this stuff is based on Myers-Briggs, which is yeah. not as cool as Enneagram, um, which I have not read and need to, need to understand. Um, but for my, for, with Myers-Briggs, if you're an E or an I, an extrovert or introvert, um, a lot of what draw or a lot of uh, the ways those are identified is basically, you know, would you rather work alone or in a small group of people you really trust, or do you feel good working in a big group of people that people energize you and, you know, or do people wear you out? Um, And that's kind of the, that's kind of the difference. And for me, like this is great because it's a small group of people that I trust and, you know, I like talking to and, um, you know, as an introvert, I'm okay with this. But what's really weird is, uh, as a as an introvert, I do things like um, I can do public speaking. I'm pretty okay at it. Um, it doesn't it doesn't worry me. Um, I'm a spin instructor, so I sit up in front of a bunch of people with a microphone and sweat and tell them what to do. And those, to me, seem like weird things for an introvert to be able to do or to like even enjoy doing. Um, I'm, I 100% am exactly the same way. And the way it's been described to me, at least in my situation. So in those situations where you're talking in front of a group of people or teaching a class of people or doing something like this, even where conversation structure is defined is ahead of time. The agreement is you're going to listen to me talk and I'm going to talk to you guys and it's going to be over. Whereas in a free flowing conversation with a group of people, it's just you're it's you're in the minute, you know, you're coming up with stuff off the top of your head, your 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 energy is outward. Yeah. And you know, it's free flowing. So I have a lot of trouble in big groups where it's just we're just standing around. I don't go to the kitchen for happy birthday anymore because I just want to sit at my desk by myself. That's the best way I can describe it. Um just saying happy birthday, by the way, not just for happy birthday. I don't know the happy birthday is not just a, a thing. Anyway, we don't even sing happy birthday. Sorry. I'm on I'm on a, I'm on a tangent. Um <laughs> No, it's the it's social interaction versus yeah. like a structured environment. The I think you're allowed to definitely be two different sets because you're right. When you're it's a transaction, everyone's in agreement on what's about to happen. That's a very different situation than like putting yourself out there conversationally to new people. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. that's a great great description, Dave. That's really I've not ever not ever thought about it that way before, but I have a great story that illustrates exactly what you're talking about about introverts and extroverts. So my, my brother is an extrovert and, um, he, he, uh, married, um, his, uh, yeah, his wife, I guess my brother married a person who is like an Uber extrovert. Like she is the most extroverted person I've ever met. She can go to the mall and like, while you're in the room trying on the, some, trying on some clothes and some dressing rooms, she's made five friends. And like one of them will probably stick and they'll be friends for a long time. 
It's crazy. Like she is so extroverted and people just love her. Like she's great. So we're at their house one time and uh, we were trying to think of what to get my dad for birthday or father's day or something. And she was like, Hey, do you guys want to, you want to, you know, we want to brainstorm some ideas for a gift for your dad. I was like, yeah, sure. And so I was in a recliner and I kicked back and just sat there and she's looking at me and looking at me. And finally I looked up and she goes, so, so that's a no. I was like, no, I'm brainstorming ideas. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I feel her pain, but I feel like there's a little bit of a stigma on extroverts to introverts and vice versa. Like I am very aware if I'm an energy taker or an energy giver and I can see interacting with introverts, like if I'm taking too much. Um, it's something I'm, maybe that goes back to Enneagram and I am hyper aware of other people's feelings as an empath, but I am constantly wondering if I'm being too extroverted and then I will get very reflective and kind of shut it down, which goes against my nature, but, um, you know, it has to happen sometimes. And I'm sure introverts everywhere are like, thank God. So the Enneagram things come up a few times. I heard from both of you guys and, uh, I took the Enneagram you and it's like I had like points in like every category and I couldn't really in, interpret anything out of it. Did I mean Kendra? I guess you're the one that probably has more familiarity with it. Do you, do you have you taken that? Do you derive yeah. a lot of information and value out of it, or do you do you? I mean, do you just know about it like conversationally yeah. or whatever? Well, there's just a lot. I think a lot of people put a ton of stock into it, and I'm not necessarily one of those people, but I do follow, um, this maybe shows my social media tendencies, but I follow my hashtag. So I'm a um, two wing three, which is the helper with the wing of the achiever. Um, and so I will read things that like Enneagram Institute has put out about personality, and I've learned a lot about myself through that. But then knowing close coworkers, their Enneagram numbers, I've learned a lot about communication styles. I think it's just like Myers-Briggs or the DISC assessment. Um, I think that if you can use it to like highlight, oh, that's what they're feeling in these moments, then it, then it becomes really helpful. I work with quite a few ones and they are very black and white, want the rules to be followed. Um, when they have to deviate, they can get a little sassy, which fits some of my very closest friends to a T. The thing that that's useful about the Enneagram is um, it's it's one of the first, or maybe maybe the first uh, personality uh, um, system that uh, I got to that that kind of helped me actually. So there are a lot of uh, personality systems that kind of interpret the way you behave and say, hey, you're you're this mix of things. And Enneagram, um, you know, kind of gives you the opportunity to, to see what motivates you to like what produces that behavior, um, which has been really enlightening for me because I've always struggled with, uh, you know, kind of the way that I behave uh, and David uh, kind of pointed to this uh, in our intro kind of I tend to, especially around people that I know, think that, you know, I tend to be somebody who's um, not shy. I, you know, try to make people laugh. I, you know, it's, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable around people that I know. And I tend to, to not really show kind of introverted tendencies. Um, but if you, if you put me into any kind of a social situation, like I'm the guy that goes and hides in a bathroom for 25 minutes. Yeah, like, see, I do that though. That's why I would consider myself an ambivert. That's totally me. And so I, I think that that's just one of those things where, uh, you know, it was really confusing for me, but then 
um, not to make this segment entirely about the Enneagram, which you know may be useful at some point. Um, but uh, that was really where, uh, you know, as I, as I took the, the, the Enneagram and I started asking some friends, and by the way, that's, that's kind of how uh, anybody who's, who, you know, if you listen to an Enneagram podcast or any of that stuff, like everybody kind of always say, like, says, like, take the test, but, but really your best bet is to ask the people around you and really evaluate your own life and say, okay, well, where do I feel like I fit? Um, just because, you know, a test, you're going to naturally just kind of, uh, it's, it's just not the best measure, I guess is the point. But anyway, um, you know, I started looking into the Enneagram and I'm a type five, uh, with a six wing and, you know, in stress, I go to a seven, which is kind of a, a, uh, outgoing, um, personable, um, a little bit scatterbrained, um, personality. Um, and so that, that, that kind of fits with me when I'm, when I'm in a, in a situation where I've got to perform, you know, I tend to, to try to start joking and, and be louder and, and, and I'm kind of become hyper aware of that. Um, but it did, you know, as I, as I started kind of digging into my Enneagram type, it, it really did help me kind of understand the balance of like how my behavior might look like an extrovert, but like, uh, internally, you know, I, I'm just kind of dying inside when I'm around people. I just like, can't wait to get a break and, and decompress for a few minutes. I, I, I get that. I, that whole go to the bathroom to decompress during a party. I didn't realize that was a thing that other people did <laughs> for a long time. Like, uh, like being with my wife, Alyssa, like she's an extrovert and like, it's the best thing in the world because I can just stand next to her and smile and nod and, and, you know, try to make uh, a witty comment every once in a while and like, feel like I get to be a part of the, this social experience uh, without actually having to, to kind of take on the burden of like carrying on a conversation, but like <laughs> going into parties before I've looked at a listen, I'm like, don't you leave me. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like if, if it won't, you know, if at some point somebody kind of, you know, she's off in a group talking and I kind of get like separated, I'm like immediately just like, I, I feel like the guy that's just standing around, like looking at, and like everybody's looking at me and I'm just kind of shaking my head around like, I don't know what to do. So you you know something really funny. So I, at speak week this last year, we did our, uh, our murder mystery thing. Totally not anything that I'm going to, be comfortable doing just not at all um christy knew that she gave me the perfect character like i don't have to do anything it was fine but i realized at some point during that night that i kept looking around and i wasn't doing this consciously but i know this is what i was doing i kept looking around for people who are more extroverted that i knew pretty well and would go and stand by them for a little bit so honestly i saw because i've known Alyssa since she was like six um, or maybe younger, I sought her out a couple of times. Like I'll go stand next to her. She'll talk to people. And then when it started to feel weird, I was like, okay, I've been standing here too long. I'd go stand <laughs> literally. I, I would look across here and I saw, Oh, Hey, there's Adam Duncan. And I went and stood by yep. him. And then I would go stand by Kendra. And then like, I just constantly moved around <laughs> the people who are more extroverted in the room so that they would carry the conversation. I didn't have to. Yeah. I would yeah. like to, uh, 
notion that we have a whole extra episode on that murder mystery dinner at some point, please. Yeah, we that have was, a whole yeah. podcast episode. That was great. Yeah, I think we also set ourselves up for a part two on the personality testings. We got a lot of part twos out of this second half of this, but I'll close on my murder mystery party story. I'm an introvert, but um, I signed up to be like one of the leads in that thing, like one of the people with the most lines. And it started wearing me down towards the end. I got really nervous and I forgot to say like the last line that like yep. led the domino effect to like the, the resolution of the story. And so we just kind of just stopped doing it. So um, I still accept responsibility for that. If we ever Thank do uh, get back together like that, I'll try to redeem myself in some way. <laughs> but um, I will say uh, on a closing note that as an uh, introvert, sometimes you can ruin a murder mystery party. So you got to be aware <laughs> of that going into those situations mm -hmm. that uh, especially, I mean, not, not the whole party in general, but just the narrative, like the lore of it. <laughs> something that might be affected by just your the action. most important so, part just, the, just most the most important, important part. part that's all right I literally got to shoot people i think which would have been hey but i appreciate that you uh you know you stepped in and were like you know what i want i want a big role because you know what you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take david oh you do yeah well okay, first of all it. great line it, but great fine. line um, but I, I guess the lesson learned was like, I was really, com I'm really comfortable. Like I've been in here long enough and I'm friendly enough with everybody here that I thought, Oh yeah, it's not gonna be a problem, but it was. So, uh, <laughs> never second guess yourself as an introvert for something that's going to make you introverted. -y. So anyway, that's my one la uh, last lesson. Uh, thank you guys again. Um, I think we covered a lot of cool stuff today. I think it was a good app. Uh, we'll, yeah. We'll, good we'll, Is that what we're calling good it? Good app. All right. Good app guys. So that is it for today. Well, we covered a lot of ground in that conversation. And really, if anything, we all had a nice little therapy session through all that. I hope you maybe did as well. Uh, I ended up learning a ton. Uh, hopefully uh, you guys did, whether you're an extrovert or introvert, somewhere in between. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, there's always going to be more content to check out on our website. And that address is madebyspeak.com. I cannot give our team enough praise for what's been posted there lately. It's just fantastic. So there's always going to be more coming there. So make sure to follow that and check that out. Uh, as always, if you have feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find Speak on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, whichever you prefer, we're going to be there. Uh, so from myself, our panel, and all of us at Speak, uh, thank you once again for getting a little off topic with us. You know what else could be really funny is if um, we spent a little bit of time thinking up some off odd service that could sponsor us. So like, you know, we're sponsored by, well, instead of being sponsored by Stitch Fix, we're sponsored by something that we've made up that is a similar online service you buy that is shipped to you all the time, but it is absolutely ludicrous. I was going to do that uh, so podcast. And I have this is 100% true. I tried to start my own online company in 2002 uh, selling imaginary friends. Um, <laughs> Neopets. That's what it's called. Well, it was going to be like basically a big empty cardboard box with <laughs> uh, like a backstory for your, for your imaginary friend on the inside. How did it was that like, not take you off? Know, I can't imagine. <laughs> hey, guys, I was 18 at the time. Cut me some slack. Did, did you? Did people it, buy it with imaginary money? Right. <laughs> oh, <hey> -oh. <laughs> <laughs>